What's going on, Spitfires? Welcome back to another episode of the Spitfire Podcast. I am your host, Lauren Lemunyan, the Spitfire Coach, and now the founder of Spitfire Institute. If you haven't checked it out, please do, spitfireinstitute.com. This is where all the blogs and videos are headed to. You can listen to podcasts there. You can read up. You can find fun infographics. It's really a place for you to prove the case for your business to invest in coaching and ultimately invest in you. So today we are talking about difficult conversation avoidance. Now, if you have ever managed people, if you've had anybody manage you and there was a difficult conversation, this goes in every direction. We are showing up to work and avoiding conversations. We're avoiding feedback. We're avoiding those icky things that we don't want to go near. So today we are talking about the real cost, the true cost of difficult conversation avoidance. And I want to bring the numbers out because what ends up happening is we get a short-term benefit of avoiding the conversation, but the long-term effect and impact is where we're seeing the true cost come out. You may be tiptoeing around the issue because it feels uncomfortable. But over time, it builds up into resentments. It builds up into more avoidance. And we're not getting to the heart of the matter. We're not resolving anything. We're kind of shoving it under the rug. We're tacking it away in the corner. And we're hoping that it just resolves itself. But it doesn't. It stays there. It festers. And it becomes something else. So I want to talk about this this survey that I found, this study that was done by a startup called Bravely. It's B-R-A-V-E-L-Y. And they found out that 70%, 70, 70% of employees are avoiding difficult conversations in the office. So those are circumvented conversations with their boss, with their colleagues, with direct reports. And it could be with clients and customers, wherever it feels like it's difficult. And whatever difficult means to you, I think we need to spend some time and clarify, this is creating temporary relief, but it's having a huge impact. So we can look at this on a financial standpoint, and then we can look at the emotional impact. And I think both are extremely important because we have different drivers. If you're a business owner, we absolutely want to look at the financial impact, but we also want to take into consideration our emotional impact because that's where our energy, our creativity, our motivation is all connected to. If we're having an emotional impact, we're probably feeling worn out, we're feeling stressed, we're overwhelmed, we're frustrated. When we don't have a way to communicate, when we can't talk about what we need, what we're seeing, what we want to see, then things start to become assumption. They start to become frustrations and then we have conflict. So we want to look at the emotional impact first. And if you don't think that emotions have a place between the hours of nine to five, I want you to think again. Because employees' emotions directly impact morale, motivation, collaboration, and productivity. So let's take a closer look at this. The first item is strained relationships. If you've ever found yourself butting heads with a coworker for no apparent reason, this can be a result of unresolved conflict. This is where resentments come in. We've talked about this in past episodes. Resentments are residual baggage from past relationships. It could be from your job. It could, could have been from a friendship, a family member, a romantic relationship. Anything that reminds us of that situation or how we felt is what we're carrying over. We're carrying the baggage of our fear 
of our concern, of our insecurity, and we're applying it to the people that we're encountering. Now, while this is not the only reason, it's possible that employees are harboring feelings around you and you can be completely unaware of a strained relationship. So it's not just about us. Other people are doing exactly what we're doing. And if we don't know that they're upset with us, we're carrying on and probably offending them and making them feel bad and we're not aware of it. So if we're feeling that avoidance and other people are feeling that avoidance, avoidance does not make it go away. Avoidance actually creates more conflict, more friction, more avoidance. It just keeps festering. So many people, many people often wait way too long to voice their concerns for fear of confrontation. And this results in passive aggression, passive aggressive interactions. So imagine what could be resolved in a five minute conversation on the phone versus months, if not years of avoidance. You never know what the relationship could be if you're not having that conversation. Now, the other impact, we've got more impacts to talk about in our emotional impacts of conflict avoidance, of difficult conversation avoidance, fear and a lack of trust. According to a 2016 Harvard Business Review study, leaders generally react quite negatively to employees who challenge them, even when employees do so constructively. So imagine if you are a team lead, if you're a boss, if you're a business owner, and you snap at people for giving you their honest feedback. That is an immediate trust killer. And trust is at the core of constructive collaboration, of, of creative expression, of healthy interactions. This is where healthy business practices come in. This is where happy employees come from. If you don't have trust, you have nothing. You're not being told when something's not working. You're not hearing when there's conflict. So you can have someone who's upset and they can give you, you know, some pointers of like, hey, if we can look at this, it would make a lot of people happier. If you're snapping at them, you have shut the door on trust. And this cycle only serves to perpetuate the pattern of avoidance. So if I've been snapped at by a boss, how likely am I to go back in their office and tell them? If I'm not received in an open way, how likely am I to put myself out there? I don't want to be the lightning rod if I'm going to get attacked, if I'm going to be snipped at, if I'm going to become the target for retaliation. So think about how you're reacting to people when they're giving you feedback. It's not just about giving feedback, but about how you're receiving it. Another impact emotionally that we see is decreased productivity. And one visible loss of productivity is the time that it's taking to successfully resolve issues. On my website on Spitfire Institute, I have a statistic that the average people manager spends 25 to 40% of their time dealing with employee issues. 25 to 40%. That is not a small amount of time. And because we're dancing around and avoiding, we're not nipping it at the bud. We're allowing it to grow into something else. We're allowing it to taint other aspects of the day. We're allowing other relationships to be strained because this isn't just staying with that person. They're talking about it. They're talking about people. They're talking about, about it with people who are listening to them. And it's usually other people who are experiencing the same thing. And that creates this almost gang mentality of conflict 
of toxicity, if you will. If it starts to grow beyond a manageable rate, that's where toxicity happens. So we have to look at productivity. Is the way that we're avoiding difficult conversations allowing people who aren't productive, who aren't contributing to the success of the company and relationships to flourish? Is this allowing complacency to win? Is this allowing uh, subpar performance to thrive? Is your lack of, of, uh, of honesty, of, of feedback, allowing people who aren't performing at their best or who aren't doing their best work to be okay? And what does that communicate to your all-star performers? We also want to look at the compounding stress that happens. So everyone processes conflict differently, but the longer that it goes unresolved, the more emotional damage is done. This leads to stress, which is a major underlying factor that can worsen uh, pre-existing conditions, so illnesses, and it can cause other physical symptoms such as headaches, anxiety, and high blood pressure. If you've looked at burnout, burnout comes in six stages. And when it's not dealt with, it becomes full-on burnout. So it may be avoidance initially, but then it starts to creep in with physical symptoms. And I've said it before in past podcasts, first our body whispers, then it talks, then it screams, and then it paralyzes us. So if we're not addressing issues, it's the same thing. First, the issue will whisper. And if we ignore it, it talks. And if, it, if we don't listen to it when it talks, it starts to scream until it shuts everything down. And that can come in many different ways of people leaving, of clients leaving, of things not happening, of deadlines being missed, of people missing days because of sick days. Stress has real impacts. And you may feel like a difficult conversation is adding stress, but typically it's our buildup of what we think it is, which is far worse than what it actually is. And I've got a podcast episode about giving, giving feedback as a gift. And I think this is a great way to see it. By telling people the truth, we give them options on what to work with. We let them know that, you know what, this isn't acceptable, but I see more potential in you. And here's how I'm gonna support you as your boss, as your colleague, as your team member. But if we avoid it, we are saying it's okay to continue to act like this. It's okay to continue to perform like this because I don't want to feel bad. I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to be the a-hole in your mind. But instead, by avoiding it, you have taken on the emotional baggage of the other person. You are far more affected by avoiding it. And undoubtedly, this will start to compound. It will start to intensify to the point where you're probably in a situation where you might need to fire this person or you may leave or other people may leave as a result, including clients, including, including paying customers. So there are tons of emotional impacts here from strained relationships, a lack of trust, decreased productivity, and compounding stress, which manifests into physical ailments physical pain from stepping into that environment. If you've gotten on a call with this person that you haven't had an honest conversation with, it feels like the wind has been knocked out of your sail. You don't have anything left to give. So look at how you're feeling around this person. And if you had this conversation, what it would release, what you would be able to move through and get done. You talk about productivity, this has a direct correlation when you can get things done that you want to get done, you can now move on to the next thing, but this is unresolved. 
So it will stay on your to-do list. Conversations are part of your to-do list and if you're not putting it on your task list, you need to start prioritizing them. Now let's talk about the numbers. We've talked about, about the emotional impact, that individual impact, but the financial impact is, is a macrocosm, is, it's a byproduct of all of these individual impacts. And there are a variety of direct costs to organizations associated with poorly managed conflict. And I just want to snapshot this. I've already given a stat, but I want to really highlight this because your bottom line is being impacted. You are going to feel it. Your employees are going to feel it. So distraction costs. Employees spend 2.8 hours a week dealing with or being distracted by difficult situations. So whether or not they're directly impacted as, as a person who's having that difficult uh, interaction with someone, or they could be a colleague who's distracted by someone yapping their ear off, 2.8 hours a week. And if we add this all up with companies, this is $359 billion in paid hours that people are distracted by difficult situations. $359 billion. So if we can resolve this, if we can start having honest conversations, if we can release the resentments in our own baggage, so we're not carrying it into interactions, so that we're not in our head and we're worried, we can actually save billions of dollars. Billions. Now, if you look at your own slice of that pie, imagine how much money your company could save. Now, I talked about this stat before, that the average people manager spends 25 to 40% of their time on employee conflict. Now, if we add that up on the average time that people are working, so 260 working days a year, that's 65 to 104 days. 65 to 104 days that are wasted on infighting, disagreements, and avoidance. So think about all of the managers that you have working at your company. Maybe you're a manager. Maybe you're the one that's responsible for dealing with those icky situations. How much time is wasted and what could you be doing on the other end? It's probably a lot of stuff that's not happening because you're distracted because you're probably not feeling motivated to do anything else after you've dealt with this ickiness. And let's look at the turnover cost. Imagine losing a star employee over a mishandled disagreement or a much needed conversation. Imagine if they're just out there waiting for you to talk to them, waiting for you to give them feedback, but you're too uncomfortable to do it. What if you lost that person? Depending on their level within the company, it can cost anywhere from 50% to 200% of their salary to replace them. That's from headhunter fees, from training, from moving work to other people, 50 to 200% of their salary because of five minutes that you didn't want to invest. Five minutes. Are you willing to let people go because you're too uncomfortable to deal with a situation that may feel uncomfortable initially, that may not make you that nice person? It's time to step outside of being the people pleaser, of being the friend to your employees. And you can be friendly, but you've got to be honest. You've got to be willing to stick your neck out there to have direct conversations. And that doesn't mean being an a-hole. It doesn't mean being mean and making people feel bad, but it's about delivering the facts in a way that people can work with. They need to know the truth so that they know what their options are. 
So speaking of options, let's look at your options. When conflict arises, one of the first things we tend to do is pass the blame to someone else. And in this case, on management. Each employee has a role to play in conflict resolution, so this isn't just a top-down thing. The management team has to set the standard, and it's up to the management team and everyone else to become aligned with that. When we're clear on what's important to our culture, when it, we, we are clear of what those operating principles are for us all to work together, to coexist together, then we all know what's expected of us. But if we're not clear as management or as employees, then all of our relationships are going to break down because all relationships break down from unmet expectations. Now, employees are going to be happier and healthier when they know how to show up, when they know what to do. But when they don't know what to do, when they don't know who to talk to, when they don't know what the process is, they're going to be super confused and frustrated. So first we have to make sure that we have adequate training. As much as conflict conflict is a part of our daily lives, we often need help in navigating difficult situations and giving feedback. This is one of the main things that I coach around because companies aren't doing it or they don't. employees don't feel comfortable asking their boss, how do I give bad feedback? How do I give negative feedback? First of all, it's not even negative or bad. It's just direct. It's honest feedback. So if you haven't had an example of how to do this, if you haven't been treated that way, if you've had negativity dished on your lap time and time again, that's the behavior you're going to model as a people manager. And if in your life you have never been shown how to convert feedback into possibility and opportunity, then you're going to be defensive and insecure. So we first have to be honest with what we're starting with on our team. We have to kind of clear the table and acknowledge that we all have past stories that we've come in with and we may need outside resources and in fact I think having a third party like a coach like a trainer outside mentorship is critical because if we are concerned at all about our opinions or our feedback getting misheard by someone else or, or turned into gossip then we're not trusting anyone so we need to make sure that we are keeping our professionalism that we're being consistent and that we're being clear about the expectations of how people deliver difficult conversations or feedback. And we wanna make sure that everyone has adequate training in how to deal with conflict. Because if three people know how to do it, but the rest of your team doesn't, then it becomes unbalanced. So you can do this as a team building workshop or retreat where everyone has an opportunity to speak. They can talk about their preferences, their past experiences, where they kind of get stressed and triggered. And you have to be willing to be patient. You have to take your time with this because this is layers of decades of experiences where people were probably not treated well didn't know how to give feedback. So we have to unpack the baggage. We have to peel back the layers to get to what's really going on and allow people to be human here. And we can all learn together. So in addition to the training, the coaching, team building, you also want to make sure that you have a refresher session, probably once a year. Because with any skill set, you want to make sure that we dust it off and we're in practice. Uh, as a coach, I do continuing education all the time to make sure that my skills are up to date, that I'm, I'm aware of my blind spots. And with difficult conversations, we have biases that come in. We want to make sure that we're able to talk it out so that we can move through it. 
The other piece when we talk about options is you need to be the example that you want to see. You have to be clear on what you expect from other people, but you also have to model that behavior. And if you're not being that model, then it's hypocrisy and people don't trust it. They don't know what they're going to get from you. You're, talk, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. You don't want to say, hey, do this, be this person, and then you're the one that's avoiding conversations. And if you're not comfortable with it, then this is where getting a third party is really going to help. So whenever you're feeling like, I need to talk to this person, but I'm not feeling confident, I don't know where to start, I don't want to hurt their feelings, this is where you can leverage a coach or a mentor or someone else outside of your company to just clear your mind and get set on your intentions and what your talking points are going to be. You also do not want to delay having difficult conversations. Remember when I talked about the five-minute conversation, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month that you avoid this, it gets larger. And it's never about the issue at hand. Whatever you're frustrated about is usually not about the task or that surface-level issue or even that person. It's usually about you. But if you allow it to fester, then we start to blame everyone around us, and it starts to shape the way that we see other people. It starts to impact the way that we're able to work with one another. So the more time that you delay, the worse it gets. Meaning, the quicker you deal with it, after you take a breath and compose your thoughts, the easier it is. It hasn't calcified, it hasn't set. It's still able to be molded and shaped. Kind of like clay before it hardens or other materials that do that. So don't delay. When it comes out, don't be afraid. Get in check with what you're uncomfortable about. Put it on the table and create a strategy of what are these three things that I want to communicate, or maybe it's one thing, and create that space to communicate it. And you also want to know your staff. You want to know where they're coming from, what situations have made them uncomfortable, what they're working on. It turns out when you're giving feedback, if you ask more questions, it allows for a two-way conversation instead of you being the bearer of bad news. And you also want to focus on the solution and not the problem. If all you're getting is a problem, then you feel like the problem. But if you can co-create a solution with the people that you're working with, it allows for more trust and collaboration. And you also want to ask for feedback. You don't want to just be the person that's delivering the news about what people need to work on. You want to know how you can improve. There's a reason that there are 360 reviews. It's so we get a complete view of how we're showing up, how we're impacting other people. And if we're not seeing that, if we're not hearing that, then we're probably creating some blind spots for ourselves. So I hope this was helpful for you. I hope that you are taking giving feedback and having difficult conversations, and we can call them crucial conversations or challenging conversations. But I hope that you are going to take this seriously and when the opportunity arises, you're going to take that deep breath, roll your shoulders back, and deliver it in a trust-based way, in a co-created way, so that you can create more opportunities for honest feedback, for growth, and for opportunities to build a team filled with trust and creativity and awesomeness. And if you need any support on difficult conversations on how to deliver them. It's my forte. I love spending time with it. I work with my clients on it all the time. Head on over to spitfireinstitute.com. Hit, hit up resources. You can find this blog uh, to review. You can pass it along to other people and you can schedule a 30-minute call with me, Lauren Lemonian, the Spitfire Coach. So make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Pass this along. And to all the Spitfires out there, keep being awesome.